0: This is Killer Innovations, a show about ideas, creativity, and how you can innovate. Welcome to the Innovator's Garage, where you learn to create your next game-changing killer innovation.
1: Welcome to this week's Killer Innovations. I'm your host, Phil McKinney. We've uh, been uh, doing a little bit of traveling here, just got back from uh, Barcelona, Spain. Um, if You haven't been with us for the last three or four weeks, we have been covering the topic of really how do you go from You know thinking about trying to generate ideas all the way through the process of running a next-generation brainstorm So if you haven't caught up with the last four shows I would encourage you to go over to killinnovations.com. You can look at the last four shows Download those each of those shows by the way have some bonus material. So for instance last week uh, they we downloaded or made available for download a PDF that had uh, eight now ten pages of Actual scripting that I use the actual timelines that I use when I talk about running a next-generation brainstorming session um, I was a little overwhelmed by last week because when I decided to Kind of put that all into one document and make it available for download the number of downloads which just shot through the roof It's it was unbelievable. So obviously people are uh, finding a benefit from the bonus material. So Go over it, you can listen to the last four weeks. In the show notes, you'll see a button that says, you know, you want, you want to download the, all the different kinds of bonus material, and all of that together will help you go from really just thinking about maybe trying to get a group of people together and try to generate some ideas all the way through identifying uh, the top two or three ideas that uh, you really want to go work on. So that would be my encouragement. So if, you, if you're not caught up in the last four weeks, go back and, uh, and catch up with that. Uh, this week we're going to take a, we're going to take a break from that and basically catch up on all of the interesting innovations and technologies that uh, that are out there. So uh, once again, I've invited uh, Kim McNicholas to join today. So uh, this is what Kim, your third time on the third show. Third time. I don't know. I think how make think, it regular? I think, like I, think, it. I think yeah. I think Kim's going to become a co-host here on the show pretty <laughs> soon. Kim also has uh, her show in San Francisco on Thursdays.
2: New Focus on Innovation. New
1: Focus on Innovation. What's the station?
2: KDOW.
1: KDOW, which is what? One of the most streamed, downloaded stations in Silicon Valley.
2: And in in the entire United States for business information. Oh,
1: for business information. So if you don't follow, kim's show i've been on the show now once yep. so you you still owe me two more slots. i do and you we can only... do it
2: next week actually i don't have a guest. is there a yes yeah.
1: in there yeah now you, now you know you're a top caliber <laughs> when you're the backup guest no. because someone i haven't so,
2: even thought about next week's show so, so,
1: so, so somebody hasn't shown up oh can you fill in please and, and, and take that slot so kim and i have been off going in opposite directions mm-hmm. in fact it's kind of interesting because kim and i don't really follow into the same circles as far as the events we go to and kind of even the people or the companies we interact with. So this always makes it interesting because there's actually very little overlap.
2: Right, right? and they complement each other. Oh, they do,
1: they do. So, you know, I was in Orlando, I was actually hosting an event for 800 people um, called Winter Conference, and we do the um, Innovation Showcase there, and we have, uh, uh, we, we actually made, there's some pretty pretty announcements there, and then I once for the week. That's my one event a year where I kind of get to sit back and listen, I'm not hosting, I'm not speaking. I just get to- It's
2: very rare.
1: It's rare <laughs> and I get to enjoy it. And then uh, I literally just flew back two days ago from Barcelona, Spain for a Mobile World Congress. And in the meantime, you were at-
2: Well, while you were in Orlando at the Winter Conference, I was covering the PJ Merchandise Show <laughs> with all the latest and greatest in golf gear, which was really exciting. Got some great technologies there. And I think my favorite thing that I've done over the past month is head to Sir Richard Branson's private island, Necker Island.
1: Oh, yeah. That that, was And and here's the thing I hated. You sent me an invite to come to Necker Island knowing full well (laughs) that I was already obligated. It was a tease. It was was 100% a tease. You you put this carrot out there. Like, Philly, you want to come to Necker Island?
2: But you weren't a backup. You were part of the, Uh,
1: Yeah, but you knew I couldn't go, so it was a a safe (laughs) offer. Oh, to go hang out with and you actually did an interview with Richard there too. I did it
2: was a lot of fun that hasn't
1: been released yet though no it hasn't
2: been released there okay. are a few things that I could probably talk about because there are a couple of things that I wanted to ask you and compare what you have to say about um, the pace of innovation now versus and maybe I can go right into that because I'm really curious mm-hmm. just now that we're starting one of the questions I asked him was you know the, the event that we went there to Necker Island for which was the extreme tech challenge which is a global startup competition More than 1,000 companies applied for the competition. The top 10 presented live on stage at the world's largest consumer electronics show in Las Vegas, CES, and then the top three, which is why we were on his private island in February, just a couple weeks ago. um, The top three had the opportunity to present live on stage on his private island in front of him and a set of all-star judges. And so it's all about innovation, but from a technological standpoint, Do you think the pace of innovation is slowing down? Now, to put it in perspective for you, um, taking a look at, you know, from 1900 to 1950, the world profoundly changed. We had lunar landings, we had highways, airplanes, skyscrapers, nuclear bombs, even bionic cats. And so looking at the pace of innovation since, comparing it to those major, major breakthroughs, is it slowing down or do you think it's increasing or about the same?
1: No, I actually think it's staying the same or about the same. In fact, uh, one of the things that I do think we're going to see a little bit of a slowdown from is not really around the pace that technology can change. It's going to be based on our ability to absorb them. Or in some cases- That's a good point. Or the ability to manufacture them. So think about it, you know, we all know about Moore's law where we double the performance of microprocessors every, you know, 18 to 24 months. The problem is, in that same time frame, the cost to manufacture, to, to build a manufacturing mm-hmm. facility, is also doubling. So now you're getting to the point, for instance, where Intel has to spend three to five billion dollars yeah. to put a new manufacturing facility in, In the next generation it's going to be six to twelve billion dollars. Now you're at a twelve to twenty-four billion. There's at some point where the cost and the amount of money you've got to go off and sell processors in order to recover that cost continues to escalate. So at some point you may start seeing a little stretching out of Moore's law, not because of the physics, but simply from the standpoint of what it cost to build a facility to manufacture um, those, those next-generation processors. So I think that you're going to see a little bit of a drag on the rate of technology change in those regards. But look, I mean, you know, the pace of change that's happening in the IoT world, the pace of change, you know with things like autonomous vehicles right. which have all been coming up here and now recently. you're moving
2: more in the direction that he was going with autonomous vehicles and space travel space tourism with with what he's doing with virgin galactic and elon musk with SpaceX, and then naveen jane with moon express to x ex- you know he's going to try to excavate the moon that's a whole other story there um but he's thinking that we are actually keeping pace
1: just i think we are comments. very much so in fact uh at ces this last year, we host um, a group of CEOs. One of them is Paul Allen, so mm-hmm. Paul comes every year. And Paul and I were catching up, and uh, you know he's in the space challenge. He's the, he's competing against, you know, Jeff Bezos, Bezos and Elon and all of them yeah. for um, for uh, the X Prize uh, for space travel and also space tourism. But at the same time, Paul's got a huge amount of investments going into things like AI. Um, and he believes that there's just unlimited playing field in the AI space. Uh, but he says also it's very hard. It's going to take a lot of money to drive those breakthroughs. But Paul's a believer that the pace of change is continuing. And, and I am too. But I think part of this gets into is really our ability to, to absorb. Yeah. How fast can the average person today absorb all the new things? How many more gadgets? How many more devices or things you're going you're gonna to get into your room you know, or into your house. So so I think, I think, so I think the pace of change. I, I, I am very confident that we're going to continue to see kind of this explosion of innovations, explosion of ideas. And I think part of that is fueled by the fact that it's so much lower cost to be an inventor mm-hmm. now than it's ever been in the history of man. You don't have to be a Thomas Edison and, you know, commit huge amount of dollars to create a lab where nobody else can replicate that right. lab. To today, anybody with a laptop and a and a Raspberry Pi, you know, <laughs> and a 3D printer can can go anything. off and create and can go off and, and and create anything. I mean, it's amazing.
2: The one surprising thing that he mentioned, you mentioned autonomous vehicles, and I asked him directly when he mentioned that that was one of the reasons he he really sees the pace of innovation just continuing to um, to increase and just move forward. And I said, well are you going to get into the autonomous car space? That's something that you haven't talked about. And he said, absolutely not. He said, there's no way that I could even think of getting in that space. He said he remembers Larry Page from Google going in and them sitting at the bar, and he was like, I have this idea, and I want to do this, and I want to do that. And he's like, go to it. Just that's one area that I'm not planning to get into. But
1: I think that's also a sign of a good entrepreneur, particularly in the innovation game, is knowing Knowing what... Knowing his limits. Knowing your limits, where you draw the line, what is it you're going to do versus what... Not going to go do, mm-hmm. and that's always the big question.
2: And yet, what's funny is that the, the three with Elon Musk, him and Naveen Jane, all, in the race, they all, ha- um, yep. all on the space race—they all share Mosquito Island. Yeah, they're all on the same island.
1: Oh, we are got to catch and up continue. on that. So when we come back from this commercial break, we're going to talk about more about what we saw over our individual activities over the last uh, couple of weeks. So stay right there, and we're going to be right back here at Killer Innovations on the BizTalk Radio Network.
0: talk radio this is killer innovations a show about ideas creativity and how you can innovate Welcome to the Innovator's Garage, where you learn to create your next game-changing killer innovation.
1: Welcome back to this week's Killer Innovations. Let's pick it up in the second segment here. So, Kim, we were talking about Necker Island. So, what's it really like? I mean, everybody kind of, it's the one place a lot of people want to go to to get a chance to get a you know shot at hanging out with Richard and all of the uh, the great uh, you know, entrepreneurs that are hanging out there, but what's what's the island really like? It's,
2: it is paradise. I mean, honestly, when I was going there, I was a little skeptical going in because it just seemed like everybody I knew and you knew were all going to Necro Island. They were all renting out uh, places there. They were holding summits there. And uh, you know we were no different because with the extreme tech challenge, that's where our finals were held. But people think that when they go there, they're automatically going to meet Richard, see Richard. But then most of the time he's not there and you have to, Uh, you know, pre-schedule with him in order to have him there on the island. But what I love about what he's doing there is that he has all kinds of endangered animals from the flamingos. He brought the flamingos back into the British. They had disappeared and he brought them back, introduced them back into the islands. He has iguanas running around and they're all protected. He has lemurs that are on the island as well, which he has, they're endangered as well, and, and people could go up and they would educate you about them. So he's really into conservation and, and saving the world at this point in his life. <laughs> and it's beautiful and the, the staff there, the staff there and what I thought was really interesting is that the staff there becomes your friends. They really engage with you, brilliant, brilliant people. They're all about innovation. They all have other things going on in their lives. And I, I really, they make you feel at home there. Um, but what was funny is during the finals is it's not one of those protective env- protected environments. So it rained twice. And the first time it rained, we had to stop everything and, of course, send everyone back in for drinks in the middle of the show. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Richard said, you know, once we came back, Richard's like, you know what? It's going to rain in 45 minutes. So we got to get the rest of the show and all of the top three pre- you know, presenting before it starts raining again. Sure enough. As soon as that last person presented, we had Bloom Technologies, which it was creating the prenatal device that mm-hmm. helps a mother in the third trimester know if and when they had to go to the hospital. It measures their, tri- tri- uh, their contractions and, and such. You have Juroptic, which created the 360 camera, and you have for the consumer level. And then you had Sphero, which created—they um, have app-enabled robots such as BB-8. And as soon as Bloom was done, they were the last one to presenting. Started. Boring again, just in time for Richard to say, you know what, I think we need to caucus about the winner, which came as a surprise to everyone because every one of the judges had a questionnaire that they were filling out with scores as they were going along, and Richard thought for sure because Sphero, which is located in Boulder, Colorado, right near here, um, he thought that because they were further along that the questions that we had on the sheet would just automatically make them the winner and Richard didn't think that that was fair because the other ones were earlier stage companies. And so he brought all of the other judges into caucus and he was arguing why he didn't think that it's when he loves the company, thinks it's a brilliant company, but he just thought, he, you know, it was great for them to present here, but he wanted to give another company a shot that needed a little boost, which is what the program's all about. So he's arguing for Giroptic, which is the 360 camera, because all week long he had been planning the, 360 camera, and they were all kiteboarding with this 360 camera, and they posted it. You should go to Geoptic, um their Facebook page, and see some of the videos of the 360 videos of them kiteboarding. And then you had um, Bloom Technologies, which the two women on there, they had who's an investor, and um, Veronica Serra, who's one of those most sought-after investors in all of Brazil, they were arguing for Bloom, the prenatal device. So it was this debate between the men and the women, back and forth and back and forth, and the women were then able to convince the men that in being fathers and Richard Branson as a grandfather, um, that Bloom Technologies would ultimately win. But it was just funny, the whole debate back and forth, it took them 20 to 30 minutes. Of arguing. To argue back and forth for it, but <laughs> Bloom was, so, in fact, Is that arguing? The winner.
1: Is that lobbying? How does lobbying. That, yeah, yeah, lobbying. Yeah, yeah, they I weren't arguing.
2: That, they were, they, you know, it was a really, it was a good discussion, I, I will say. It was a very high-level discussion. But they're all winners coming out of there. So
1: who won then?
2: It was Bloom Technologies. Bloom Technologies. Yep.
1: Yeah, well, me being a grandfather, I, don't, I wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> now, you know, I mean, look, we've talked about these before, right? right? The last time we were on the show, we talked about who the top three were, Sphero being, you know, we're studio here is in Colorado, so, you know, we know Sphero right here in Boulder is yep. part of the Boulder startup community, but they're not really a startup anymore, particularly post Star Wars, well, given the given the success of BB-8.
2: Right, but it's one of those things where it became an overnight success. Yes, they've been at of eight years, but it took them that long to really just you need to get that proven product market fit and sometimes it takes a long time well
1: that's also that's also the fallacy right of innovation that you're going to come up with an idea and then immediately overnight you become a success right and the joke amongst the entrepreneurs is yeah it was a 15-year overnight success or exactly. it was a 10-year overnight success because it does you have to go plow a lot of fields to get yourself in the right position and and look the timing of the star wars with work that they were already doing and something very similar that looked like the BBH. 8 yep. And then getting disney to come and say hey could you modify that to make it look like this and all of a sudden getting you know one, one being in the right place at the right time with the basic with an idea that somebody else then really comes in and endorses it's and i still so, and
2: i think we talked about this before that the to define a startup it's you know a startup could be gone tomorrow they could be gone tomorrow they don't take this and really run with it they could be gone tomorrow well they would be another
1: be- one hit wonder exactly right i've got one thing i get that success and. You know, it's like, I was reading this morning on the, was it, how do you pronounce it, Lohenberger, the basket company? These are the guys, they used to make baskets. They were kind of, you know, things that you would make into houses. You know, women would buy them to decorate their houses, whatever. I didn't realize they went from a billion dollar business to now their revenue is 100 million. You're kidding. No, they went from a billion dollars to now their, they're down down to to 100 million dollars. So you lose 90% of your revenue because they only did one thing. And they were never able really to capitalize it. And when the founder died, the next generation and leadership just couldn't couldn't make you know can't make a success of it. And now they're really kind of in this you know into this you know spiral. And that capital, you see it happen a lot of time in the in the innovation game, right? People a big. They're still so And then all of a sudden you just end up right in the tank with it.
2: And so Richard really loved all of them. And there was Mm -hmm. another company. He also loved Kick Further, which is located, they're a Boomtown, graduate Boomtown accelerator Mm -hmm. here in Colorado. And that, that is a really neat company where it, it, it allows people to go on and invest in the inventory of these products. They're taking on the hundreds of billions of billions of dollars in short term loans out there and saying, Hey, just go in and, and invest in this company, $20, and in over the next six to 12 months, you're going to get anywhere between an 8 and 12% return on your investment. And they're oversubscribed in every single one of their products that goes live on there.
1: Yeah, well, and, and that's an issue, right? Because, you know, look, all my years at HP, you know, when you're, you're running an organization that's got a $52 billion supply chain, yep. right? The world's largest technology supply chain. And how do you... Um, and how do you manage that? And how do you finance it? How do you get the parts in? All those kinds of issues. It's exactly. huge. It's a huge, huge, huge problem. And it's probably one of the number one questions I get from startups yep. who, are in the ma- who are in the manufacturing space. So we're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to switch it over. I guess we'll talk a little bit about TED. Yep. And then uh, we'll talk a little about Mobile World Congress. So stay right there. We're going to be right back when we uh, come back for this commercial break. You're listening to Killer Innovations on the BizTalk Radio Network.
0: BizTalk Radio. is killer innovations a show about ideas creativity and how you can innovate welcome to the innovators garage where you learn to create your next game-changing killer innovation
1: welcome back to Killer innovations this is phil mckinney uh we were talking in the last segment around necker island and what's it really like to get to go Mm -hmm. hang out i thought this time let's this segment let's talk a little bit about ted i mean i go to ted every year uh, and, I, and it's uh, what
2: everybody's talking about right now, and they've been so inspired by the talks there.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because I've been going to going to TED, you know, all the years in Long Beach, Vancouver. I got to go to one um, when it was still in Monterey, uh, many, 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 many years ago. Uh, but it's it, it is interesting, right? It's you know, twenty five hundred of your dearest and <laughs> you know, closest friends.
2: But the one everybody seems to be talking about and so inspired by, just in terms of my Facebook friends, is former Vice President Al Gore and his speech on climate change. And I'm curious what your thoughts are because I think you take a more practical approach and it's the same view that I would have. I haven't watched it and I deliberately didn't watch it because I wanted to get your view first and kind of get both sides before I ended up viewing it.
1: So Al Gore led off, I'm trying to remember, I think it was the Wednesday afternoon session. It mm-hmm. might have been a Thursday afternoon session. He was the first speaker out in that session. Um and it had been 10 years since the last time he was on the TED stage. Right. So 10-year gap. And what it really was, is his whole speech was really a very positive uplifting speech on the progress made over the last 10 years.
2: That so, he's made. Yeah,
1: that he made. Or he made these predictions or made, or put, <laughs> I should say if you go back.
2: I'm sorry for the Al Gore fans. <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, just just this you know Al Gore invented the internet, yeah. right? So Al, Al Gore invented in in uh, Al Gore uh, invented the whole process of saving the climate. Um, but <laughs> uh, you know, so ten years ago, if you watch the video, he made all these dire predictions, and then challenged everybody to achieve a certain targets over. And this time around, he was basically reflecting back on his speech ten years ago and how much progress. Um, has really been made in the last 10 years. And it's actually been phenomenal, I mean, from the standpoint of, of all the things that have been put in place. But uh, um, you definitely got the feeling in the auditorium that there were two perspectives. <laughs> yes. You know, it it was, uh, it was, well, you know, the TED community tends to be very much aligned with, you know, with Al and his kind of, mm-hmm. you know, the people he hangs around with. But there's, there's a contingent of other TEDsters who are, not a little skeptical. The, a little skeptical, well, not in the same camp. Um, and there's always been the need people who are kind of out there, even further saying, you know, that's only one tenth of what we should have been doing. We should have been, you know, doing significantly more in the last 10 years. Uh, but all in all, I think people took it as um, you know, a little bit of patting on the back, you know, from what's happened over the last 10 years. And then at the end, he made the whole pitch on not enough. Now we got to double it down. We got to be even more aggressive. We got to make more change. But, uh, uh d- definitely uh he took it as the opportunity to, to grab the flag of yeah. I'm, I'm leading this I'm charge i'm leading this charge line up behind me kind of a thing
2: yeah which so. is really and there's so many people have an impact and even richard branson with ocean elders and they're all the whole crew there there everybody is pitching in and having an impact oh, come and, on to
1: make you know look you know not I mean, just we, him we've got one planet let's take care of it but at some but at you also there's got to be balance brought to mm-hmm. it right you know, as far as uh, you know, how extreme do you really need to be, right? You know, you you go talk to farmers who are basically been put out of business in the Central Valley in California, you know, because of some water, you know, some water engine made by the state of California, or you know, you see other industries to totally be impacted that that actually not only create jobs but serve a meaningful purpose, but but somebody takes you know takes science and spins it and markets science you know I'm a my view is and you know and, and the role of technology and sciences is not to be in the spin game not to be into trying to push a message mm-hmm. you let the, you let the science talk for itself and when you can't prove the science then there's you haven't proved it yep. you need to go prove the science you need to prove the technology and um, at ted
2: this year you you saw quite a few uh, pieces of proof.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> some
2: exciting ones in technology.
1: Exactly, and that's in, when, when someone can go on stage and they can do a reveal of a new technology. Yeah,
2: it's right there. It's I right see there.
1: It. You see it. You can put your hands on it. Yep. You can play with it. That changes people's minds.
2: And Microsoft did just that.
1: Microsoft did that. They uh, they did a Hololens demo that I will say was probably one of the more impressive demos I've seen in my entire career. Um, the inventor of the HoloLens came out on stage, talked for three or four minutes, and then What's revealed. What's the HoloLens? It. It's, the HoloLens is basically Microsoft's answer to virtual reality, okay. augmented reality. So it's a set of goggles you put on, and it actually creates an entire, you know, you need to do it as a true, true artificial world, so you can use it for gaming. But the demonstration they use is they actually had one of NASA's astronauts who, were, who was remote, they both had lenses on, ported as if they were into the same space, but the surface was Mars, wow. so they could actually take data from all the probes at Mars, recreate Mars surface, and the two of them actually were walking and interacting on Mars, looking at geological conditions and etc. But the fact that you had two people remote all of a sudden appearing as if they were in one place, so they you know, the science thing was a little bit of a, a little over the top collaboration right we all try to do video conferencing Mm -hmm. and those kinds of things Uh, but they're never quite the same as being face-to-face the HoloLens and, and other technologies along that line where you actually can have the feeling of being in the same place can totally change you know this whole concept of time and distance to be able to work with people on the other side of the world but not just through a a little speakerphone on the desk or a, yep. a little Skype window on your, on your laptop.
2: And I, it's, hard, it's easy to be skeptical unless you, you have to see this for yourself.
1: It's hard to describe for it one It is thing. really hard. It's really hard. You think, okay, that's kind of interesting, but trust me. So, in fact, at TED, there was this demo and then there was also another demo called from a company called Meta that uh, Chris Anderson, who runs TED, asked everybody in the audience, do not post photos, do not post videos.
2: But if you do want to see it before, you can. Robert can, Scoble's Facebook page. Yeah, you, go out, you can
1: go out to Robert Scoble's Facebook page if you're really interested in seeing uh, both the Hollow the HoloLens demo and, uh, and uh, screenshots and clips and that from the meta demo. Uh, Robert posted a little early. Um, but uh, You
2: were a good boy. I was
1: a good boy. I did not post. Nope. I, but uh, Ted has said that March 2nd. They'll March put, 2nd they'll, so they're going to post the videos on March 2nd. So, so that will be about the time this show goes live on the podcast. So,
2: describe what you saw with Meta.
1: So, Meta is another one similar to HoloLens. So, it's, it's a, uh, a VR, AR goggle set. The in a, in a, in a demo was somewhat similar from the standpoint of uh, two people being able to interact. But in this case, one of the things that they focused on at least the demo was around healthcare. So, they took basically an MRI scan of let's say a patient and they could actually then look at all the organs and everything inside the body. Wow. So in this case, though, they actually picked up an organ. In this case, someone, this, this, this MRI of a heart. And the one person remote picks up the heart and hands it to the person on stage at TED. And the person on TED picks up this virtual heart and then can manipulate it. So it isn't just about that we can look face-to-face interact. We can actually reach in and manipulate 3D objects simultaneously over a very long distances long distances wow. using virtual reality, augmented reality. That so it is, is pretty like, cool. you know, again, it was another one of those like, holy smokes, you know, you know, and then, you, you know, starting off, when we started off the conversation, which was around this whole issue of, is innovation slowing down mm-hmm. after Ted, there's no, there's no, way. there's no risk <laughs> of that. Um, it is, uh, you know, the, you know, when you have those kinds of reveals at Ted, that's what draws people to go back to Ted every year.
2: Now, in, in with Ted, Ted's been known in, in the past as just being something, just talk, Ted talks, but um, I'm not even trying to play on words, but just kind of inspiration stuff. But you're seeing practical stuff now.
1: Yeah, there used to be more of that back in the early days of Ted, and I think that back okay. more. Um, and, and Ted's also trying to get away from having a political position. You know, there was a number of years in there where there was some. People that weren't all that happy with Ted because they they tended to have kind of a very strong left-leaning kind of uh, message. Um, they're trying to be more neutral. Where they actually they had it was it last year years ago in Vancouver they had Snowden yes. present, and then the next morning they had the uh, head of uh, NSA speak. So you got Snowden on one day and the head of NSA the next day. Wow. So being able to give that kind of that balanced perspective, so you had all of the all of the perspectives rather than just hearing only one side of the message. And I actually applaud Ted for, 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 for doing that, yeah. for doing that. That was so, really good.
2: So in terms of the technology, the experience with virtual reality and AR, how did that compare, and we may run out of time here, but how did that compare to ultimately now going into Mobile Congress, the world?
1: Well, we're going to answer Congress. that when we get back from this commercial <laughs> break. Nice, nice, that that's a nice lead-in there, Kim. Uh, we come back, we'll talk about Mobile World Congress and all about mobility, wireless, next-generation wireless, which I just came back from Barcelona on Friday, and so we'll pick that up when we get back. So stay right where you're at. You're listening to Killer Ovations on the BizTalk Radio Network.
0: BizTalk Radio is Killer Innovations, a show about ideas, creativity, and how you can innovate. Welcome to the Innovator's Garage, where you learn to create your next game-changing killer innovation.
1: Welcome back to Killer Innovations. This is Phil McKinney, your host. Uh, We're going to pick up this segment, talk a little bit about new technologies, new innovations coming from Liberal Congress. So, Barcelona, every year, this show's been going on 24 five years mm-hmm. and i've got out of it the last seven <laughs> <so>.
2: <laughs> why would you say get out of it you seem to have so much fun this year that i guarantee you're going to go back well I, I will you're be not going to go I another I seven be. years wireless
1: is just becoming more and more important you just can't get away from the mobility play right the, the device technologies the this year was all about 5g mm-hmm. you know all the early announcements for 5g technologies and networks coming and are we out. ready for it well, here's the problem, right? The five G spec won't be run, won't be done until the end of next year. Oh, wow! So you got all these people announcing five G networks, and it's all early test stuff, but it's all pre-spec, pre-standards standards. You know, the three GPP, what's called a three GPP standard for five G, won't be done until late next year, and then you got to go manufacture, right? So, so everybody's trying to jump the gun. Um, there's a lot of news articles out in, on 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 the internet about. You know, here's the five things that 5G is going to do for you, you know.
2: <laughs> and those five things are going to change in when it actually comes out.
1: Yeah, I mean, 5G gives you phenomenal speed and performance, right. so that's really the whole drive of how fast, I mean, how how fast of a network can I get to your to the device in your pocket, mm-hmm. um, and everybody's working for driving higher and higher speeds. Um, so, you know, what are you going to do with it once you, you know once you have a gigabit into your pocket? What are you going to do with that gigabit? So that that becomes the real question,
2: and also VR was pretty big.
1: VR was really Same. big. Sam- and we talked
2: about that over at at TED with Microsoft and Meta.
1: Right, so and- Meta, and then and then at Mobile Congress, Samsung had a huge press conference
2: with Mark Zuckerberg. Mark
1: Zuckerberg there. surprised everybody. walks on you know, walks into the venue. Uh, there's a partnership between Facebook, Oculus Rift, and Samsung. So they were showing off the new Samsung VR headset, but mm-hmm. also a new Samsung 360 camera. Oh, so really? yeah, so it's a paired set of where you can get both the VR goggles and a 360 camera, um, to make it easier oh. for people to self-publish, self-create uh, 360 content.
2: I will have to check that out because I'm curious how that compares to the 360 Fly, and then also with Giroptics' new camera for 360. Well, I'll tell
1: you, there were more 360 cameras at oh, Mobile World Congress, and you can shake a sticky. There's going to be there's got to be some falling out of, not everybody's going to survive. Did um, it have
2: seamless editing? Did it?
1: Well, there's some cameras that are out there now that are doing th- in-camera in stitching. Right. So they're doing all kinds of... Tr- uh, live streaming is still a challenge. There's a few that claim they can do true live uh, live streaming. We talked about it on a couple of shows ago. Um, and Optic can do it. Well, in RTI Technologies, which is a camera that came out of DARPA mm-hmm. uh, that we talked about in the show before, uh, they've got a very unique kind of way they capture the image, to where they doesn't require any stitching. You With get the, the mirrors. C- it's the mirrors that go onto a flat circular mm-hmm. uh, camera element, CCDL. what's called CCD element. Um, so they capture the image and requires no stitching. Um, so RTI, but RTI is not building a product. They they've They're looking for partners to license that mm-hmm. camera technology from them and turn it into a commercial product. So they're a little bit different, but everybody's trying to solve the real-time stitching. When quote, what does real time really mean? Um, but uh, VR and 360 cameras were, in the ability to just stream it, and you know, again, you know, you're going to need good, high, super high quality 360 content. You know, you're going to need you know 40, 50, 60, 70 megabits. So you were, uh, on your wireless device so
2: so you were walking around the show with a bunch of other CEOs showing them what's hot What were some of the other things that were hot?
1: Um, well, everybody was announcing their new devices So Samsung obviously on the s7 s7 plus LG had a new phone fo- everybody had new phones But what was really interesting which I think most people have kind of overlook, But is really important is that most of those new phones are all based on Qualcomm Snapdragon so Qualcomm oh, wow. kind of over the years kinda of, kinda of waned, you yeah. know. there's kind of been I think, you know, if I were if I were to take the pulse out of World Congress, Qualcomm's back and Qualcomm's back with a is vengeance. Clear winner. Clear winner. If you look at all if you look at the devices that are out there, the win, the design wins that Qualcomm has won on just off of their Snapdragon chipset is just phenomenal. Which will actually make it much easier for software developers, much easier for all the OS guys. Easier for the design. OD, you know, outsourced design manufacturers, the ODMs, who build those phones, because they can get. You can drive a whole ecosystem of scale um, that's hard to compete with. So clearly, um, Qualcomm was. If you calculated up all the market value, just the new devices coming on, Qualcomm is back with a vengeance. Look wow. out! Look out! And I have to tell you, it's been like I said, seven years. I haven't. I haven't done Mobile World Congress. Both. You know, I haven't been in the wireless space for that. For part of that, and then at HP, I didn't, you know, just scheduling wise, it always worked out to be a problem. But from what I remember, seven years ago to this show, the size of the booths at Mobile World Congress—biggest booths I've ever seen at any trade show that I've ever been at in my entire career. Even CES? Oh yeah, not even close. Not even close. Huawei's booth was almost uh, eighty thousand square feet.
2: Wow. And how did Samsung's booth compare? Was it relatively the same or even bigger than it was at CES?
1: Um, it was actually a little bit bigger, but not gargantuanly bigger. Huawei was probably the most dominant booth at Mobile World Congress. It was like, I could get my 10,000 steps in a day just walking the Huawei booth.
2: Would you want to stay there?
1: No, not the whole time. But I mean, it was great. It was really interesting stuff, but you got so many other vendors that were yeah. there. It was eight Eight locations. There's 100, about 110 120,000 people that go to World, World Congress. So it's a big show when it's only about wireless. It's mm-hmm. not like CES where you've got 180 covering lots of areas. This is 110 wireless geeks all in one place. So it's really good. So we're going to wrap up here uh, for this week's show. Hopefully you found this useful and helpful. Kind of just taking a look at a couple of different uh, venues and, and things that have been going on for the last couple of weeks. Uh, so Stay tuned. If you're keenly interested in trying to really understand how to take an idea that you have and really turn that into a breakthrough innovation, um, I have a a two-hour audio course. The publisher has it up at Amazon. I don't know. I think think they charge like nineteen dollars for it, which don't spend the nineteen dollars. Tell you what, I'll give it to you for free. So all you can do is just text the word text the word innovate to three three four four four, or you can go to killinnovations.com/slash innovate. Put your email address in it, and I'll email it to you for free. You don't even have that to go. That is a deal. You don't, even, you don't have to go pay the $19 for it. And so uh, with that, we're going to wrap up this week's show. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll be here next Sunday uh, as we uh, come together to talk about creativity, design, innovation. Um, so stay right there. And we'll be here next week. This is Phil McKinney. You're listening to Kill Innovations on the BizTalk Radio Network.
0: The opinions you hear on BizTalk Radio are those of the hosts, callers, and guests, and do not necessarily reflect those of this station, BizTalk Radio, its management, or advertisers. The information on BizTalk Radio does not constitute a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or service. If you have any questions about BizTalk Radio, contact us at 817-274-1609 or at biztalkradio.com. BizTalk Radio.